The following episode of Cinema Recall contains adult language and situations some may find to be objectionable. So if you are sensitive at all, listener discretion is strongly advised. And uh, welcome to this uh, new episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. I'm your host, The Vern, and I apologize immensely about the way my voice is going to sound for this episode. You see, a couple of days ago, I was uh, at my birthday, uh, seeing some rock bands, and one of the bands invited me on stage to sing one of their songs, and I think I threw out my voice just screaming and yelling into the microphone because they were a metal band and part metal band, so just want to let you guys know that about my voice for this episode. But we do have someone on here who has got a crystal clear, it's almost like the sound of a hummingbird, like one of the most beautiful sound voices you'll hear. We have Matthew Stewart of the Simplistic Reviews Podcast. Welcome back, Matthew. Uh, I don't know how you talk about this voice right now, man. I don't know. Oh. I love about a hummingbird, brother, but uh, this ain't uh, Tony, it's been, beautiful. been rough, too. My God, we're, we're going to sell like Patty. We're, we're, I, swear, I swear, God, we're going to sell like Patty and Selma from The Simpsons. I know. I, I should have smoked a pack before I, know, right? I, before I got on the podcast with you. By the way, this is my real voice. That was my radio voice. This is my podcasting voice, though. Oh, so, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I got, I got a, almost a pot of coffee in me right now, feeling good. So, uh yeah, I didn't do any uh, punk rock singing um, this weekend or anything, but, uh, you know, Saturday, you know, there's always late nights on Saturdays and Sundays and any other day, I guess, you know. So Great indeed. Uh, so Matthew was on one of our earlier episodes talking about the flick uh, Suspiria. We compared both the uh, 2000... Uh, 17 to the 1977 version of Suspiria, so I definitely highly recommend going back and checking that episode out again. Matthew, thank you for coming back to see me here at Cinema Recall. Uh, can you let the folks know what's going on over at the uh, Simplic- Simplistic Reviews podcast? I know you guys just uh, recently recorded uh, a commentary track. Yeah, we uh, did a little little double feature uh, for the uh widely regarded or let's not fucking kid ourselves uh thanks killing <laughs> thanks killing is one of the i mean we, we've said this kind of over uh twitter and on facebook and everything this might have been set a new low i mean and we're all about setting new lows all the time on the podcast but i think our uh, commentary for thanks killing was probably the lowest point for the simplistic review website podcast the whole network as a whole. So, and um, hopefully you guys listened to it and enjoyed it, though. That's the only thing really we really care about. The end. Well, we're, ashamed, I, we're ashamed of ourselves, and that, that's telling people <laughs> a lot. So, it's 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 one I will definitely get a hold of this holiday season. Um, I do kind of enjoy watching your commentaries with the flits I haven't seen, especially <laughs> movies like this, because I think it's, it just elevates it a little bit more. I mean, we we try we try to elevate all arts. I mean, we are elevators of everything. Uh, no matter how bad it is, we'll, we'll try and do our best to uh, make it make it the best. We, we try to bring the best out of the worst shit that we watch. So, um, but yeah, that that commentary is available now. 
Um, we also we got some other cool stuff cooking for uh, for the holiday season. I mean, we're heading into Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and New Year's and Christmas. So we got some other stuff uh, on the burner right now. We got uh, um, you know the website's redesigned as well too, in case anybody hasn't visited simplisticreviews.net in a while. But I'm sure we'll get more into that when I back plug our uh, our site at the very end. But uh, I'm looking forward to getting into these uh, these flicks that we decided to uh, cover for this episode. Yeah. Right? All right. So uh, we're doing our cult film extravaganza, Christmas Cult Club, which is going to uh, expand out into January and whatnot. But we're covering a series of cult movies. And uh, for this particular episode, we're going to be covering some cannibal movies. Now, uh, the two movies that we're going to be reviewing are Ravenous and Raw, all right? Uh, Ravenous came out in 1999. Raw, I think it was like 2017. Now, Matthew... 2016, yeah. Oh, 2016, my apologies, okay. Uh, So, Matthew, uh, what is your, like, uh, knowledge of this this genre, the cannibal genre? I mean, what movies come to mind when you think about this? I guess a lot of people would think probably probably the most famous cannibal that a lot of people would probably think of on, on film at least is probably Hannibal Lecter in Sounds mm-hmm. of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, you know, so you got something like that going, but it seems like cannibalism has always been a a big a big thing for for horror films in general. I mean, you go back to you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You go to a certain degree, you go to Psycho. Because Psycho oh, yeah. didn't have cannibalism, but it was based on Ed Gein, who was. The famous cannibal out of Wisconsin. What is it? The the ghoul, the ghoul of Wisconsin, whatever his nickname was, um, back back in the what the what was it? When was Ed Gein? Forties, fifties, right around that era. Um, the carpenter of Wisconsin because he made lampshades out of people's skins, I guess, and furniture. Yeah, and dug up bodies and wore women's clothing and wore women's skin. I mean, Every other disgusting thing you think of. I mean, I guess it's better than going buying stuff on Amazon. I guess you know. <sighs> That's, he's the original Prime member. Yeah, I there. know. But That's you see, like, you know, like a lot of people, like you know, um, made furniture or clothes, and they sell it online. Just, I just imagine now Eighteen in the age of social media, you know, selling his clothes online and having some sort of like online shop called he's setting up his own Twitter. Etsy shop. I would think. I think he'd be a big member of the Etsy community, basically. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, that, that would be Ed Gein. He would. He, he was like almost the first Etsy guy. Mm-hmm. Sorry for all you Etsy fans out there. So the uh, fact that I know about Etsy too. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, those are good examples you mentioned right there, like the Tesla Chainsaw Massacre and Sounds of the Lambs. Uh, uh, another feature that I'm always reminded of, and I still have yet to see it, is uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, which I've seen, and you know, I, I didn't want to bring that. I don't want to blow the load right away with that, but <laughs> I mean, that is definitely the most, I would say, infamous uh, yeah. cannibal. Uh, cannibal film um, ever, you know, it, basically people thought it was a real snuff film, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, it's a snuff film if you're an animal lover, I guess, in a lot of ways, but uh, sorry, not everybody, people didn't really die in Cannibal Holocaust, sorry to tell everybody it, it, it was a thing, but it didn't, it didn't happen, people, come on. That's right. Or did it. Or did it, that's right, oh. indeed. Um, yeah, I, I'm, and those are the only other uh, cannibal features that I'm think about that's still I and mean, i'm looking right now on my phone about trying to find about cannibal movies because just not one of those genres you hear too much about well, of course like uh queen inferno uh there are some other comedies like eaten raul and yeah uh, cannibal the musical and of delicatessence 
Uh, probably more sense. features that, um, but the two ones that we're going to feature today are for Ravenous and Raw, just because the two R sounds names that sound kind of cool in the marquee. So <laughs> the old R and R. Um, let's start off right now with uh, 1999's Ravenous, and I'll have Matthew here just give a little small plot description about the movie. So take it away, Matthew. Legend. Winged Eagle. Man eats the flesh of another. He absorbs the other man's strength. Evil. I just had to try. Power. We need others. Hunger. Ah! Stop it. You don't. On Friday, you are (laughs) who you eat. Bon appetit. You was licking me! Ravenous. Rated R. Friday, only in theaters. All right, so Ravenous, obviously from 1999. We're celebrating its 20-year anniversary, which is a pre- pretty awesome this year as well. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, but uh, the basic gist of Ravenous is a soldier played by um, – the name escapes me. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Thank you. Thank you, Vern. Um, he is basically a quote-unquote war hero, but that's not seen the same way by his superiors. So he's sent into exile up in the Sierra Nevada mountains – uh, this is during the uh, Mexican uh, Mexican American War, so 1940s, and he basically is sent to this fort full of misfits in the dead of winter, which kind of fits nicely into our you know Christmas or holiday time as well. And um, he's trying to get reacclimated. He's also dealt with he's feeling some post traumatic stress disorder as well. But um, he's meeting all these crazy folks that he's working with at the uh, fort, and along comes a, a a drifter or a person lost. He's snowblind. He gets taken into the fort. And he talks, uh, it tells them a story about cannibalism, how they had to survive. So they head out to find this, uh, the people that might still be alive from this uh, expedition that this guy tells them about, played by uh, Robert Carlyle. His name is uh, Calhoun, if you will. And uh, a lot of crazy stuff happens when they go and find this party. And I don't want to spoil everything uh, uh, leading up to the end, but there's a. A lot of murder, mayhem, <laughs> drugs, uh, Native American myth, and a lot more murder, and of course cannibalism as well. So that's Ravenous in a nutshell. So this movie does have a really good cast. We mentioned Guy mm-hmm. Pierce, Robert Kyle, uh, Scott David Arquette, uh, Jimmy Davis, uh, uh, Jeffrey Jones, uh, Neil McDonald, Neil McDonald. Neil McDonald, yep. Yeah, you know, pretty good cast of, like, you know, uh, pretty famous actors. Um, And this was probably my second time watching this flick. I know I saw it back on VHS in the 90s when it came out. And when I first watched this movie, from what I remember it, I thought this was going to be a very hardcore horror feature Mm -hmm. with cannibalism. But the tone of this is very much different, and I'm not sure if you agree or disagree with me at this, on this Matthew, but it has a lot more comedic vibe that I was not expecting, and it's mainly due to the music. Yes, it, uh, which is my favorite part of the entire film. Um, Michael Nilquist and uh, Damon Al- Al- uh, Albarn. People know Damon Albarn from Blur or uh, uh, The Gorillas, basically. And yeah. it has this jokey, like southern, tw- like some, like in the in the music is so varied because there are some there are some songs that they take in this film that are very like very like slow, methodic, 
very scary music but then during some of these chase scenes through the through the woods and the mountains um you have like advent i feel like you have like adventure music or action adventure music you have this kind of like jokey everybody like playing like a banjo type music with the violin and then you get this very spooky like scary like slasher music almost and it it's such a weird dynamic when you when you're going against a film that is dealing with you know the plight of just people living in isolation cannibalism and then murder (laughs) you know it it seems that would be like shocking or suspenseful there's a scene where and i'm not trying to try to spoilers but jeremy davis is being um hunted by something and you know in most of the movies it would have a very kind of dark tone to it but this one is kind of light and comical and you know, it's like it's a like, cartoon. It's like a cartoon chase music almost in a lot of ways. It's something you would hear out of like a Warner Brother cartoon or yeah. a, a Disney cartoon. <laughs> it, it, it reminded me of like Benny Hill for some reason too. I yeah, I, I definitely, see, I definitely see that that uh, uh, that comparison. But I think for me, uh, I don't really. I can watch the trailer of this movie after I watched it and it's definitely one of those 1990s trailers because it features the music of Rob Zombie <laughs> in the trailer for it and uh, it's built as so, like this action movie it almost wants to feel like The Crow and just the, yeah. the way it was cut mm-hmm. and that type of like styling to that which I found to be kind of an odd theme for this movie like the trailer made it look like it was a uh, action with a little hints of comedy here and there but i think the movie itself is just kind of this full-blown comedy if you go into this it's spent in one movie and you get something else i'm afraid you're gonna feel disappointed by it mm-hmm. you know because you got the story about this uh uh colonel and i gotta mention one thing too when I saw the beginning of this movie and how uh, Guy Pierce's character survived his stint at the war, yeah, <laughs> it reminded Dude. me of the movie Ants, that animated movie. Yeah, well, Woody Allen and everything. Woody yeah. Allen, Stone. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, yeah, because that character in Ants does the same thing. He just hides under a bunch of dead bodies, and then people, uh, his superiors, think he's this big-time war hero. When he didn't do anything, he was just a coward and he hid. I mean, uh, was Ian's also a Fox film? Was that was that, that one of that the Fox a, animated uh, films? No, that was DreamWorks. It? it was DreamWorks, okay. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I was thinking maybe there was a Fox connection of some sort. Uh, but, uh, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't look up any other connections of like screenwriters and whatnot. Um, yeah, I mean, the movie's director was Antonia Bird, and I'll have some information on her. Mm-hmm. She did the movies uh, Mad Love and a movie called Priest. Um, and then after she made this movie, she never directed another feature film again. She's yeah. done just mainly TV work and TV episodes, and that was it. And I heard something, too, that the studio has changed directions yeah they changed a lot of things for this 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 film was mired i think in a lot of nobody really knew what they wanted to do with this film it was kind of one of these odd things like hey let's make a film about a take on like the donner party type thing and i mean there were there were issues about where to shoot this where like where the the, the production was bad the direction was all over the place there wasn't a lot of cohesion with this film and 
I don't know. It, it, it turned into a, a mess, and probably that's one of the reasons for sure. It, 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 the, the trailer had one tone, but if you went in expecting one thing after watching the trailer and saw the film, you're like, what in the fuck am I really watching right now? Because yeah. none of this makes sense to what I thought it was going to be, which I think in this day and age, if you just go into watching this film now, not knowing much about it, you will enjoy it a lot more because it is zany, cartoony, bloody, gory. You know, it's a horror film, yeah. but it has this, like, this really weird, sly sense of humor that I enjoy. But a lot of people, I'm sure it's not going to be their cup of tea, especially if they don't like cannibal films. But um, yeah, it's a, it kind of, it's a weird film. Uh, oh, yeah. But I I like it I I love it I mean I remember watching this on HBO a lot when it when it went on went on to premium cable and I couldn't get enough of it mainly because of the music the music is what really created a this cult love for me for this film um, uh, in, in total you know when I was listening to the music of this it it, it did remind me of another Campbell movie uh, which was Cannibal the Musical mm-hmm. that kind of toned to it and I was really expecting at any moment. That they're just gonna bust out into a song and yeah, <laughs> it does a day or it it does have that. I mean, and I guess a lot of people because it's all based on uh, the the Packer, uh, who's a George Packer and Albert, and Albert Packer, Albert Packer, sorry, yeah. and um, how he was the you know the, the cannibal of the Colorado, the cannibal of the, of the Sierras or something like that. And of course, Cannibal the Musical was based on him as well. So it seems like it's kind of gone down the line. Of them talking about this specific guy and his specific story with, a, you know, the Donner Party type esque thing. So yep, definitely. And then uh, uh, one more thing I want to mention too that the writer of this is, if I find his name, um, Ted Griffin, who also wrote uh, Ocean's Eleven and Matchstick Men and uh, a few other actually really good movies. And this was his first screenplay. <laughs> that he ever did was Ravenous, so good job to him on that. Um, I'm a little, I don't, I don't know, this feature, I'm, uh, I didn't like it as much as you did, but I still enjoyed it. Um, I, and I, I feel like I have guided into some spoilers, but I want you to talk about what you find to be your favorite moment of this movie, mm-hmm. and then I will tell you mine, and maybe our posts will collaborate together and I will tell you explain for you my review of this movie if that makes sense yeah uh, and I guess we, we'll dive into spoilers because most of the things that I like about this film are towards like you know, the, main, the major plot points of, of the film um, I, I do really like the ultimate reveal of Robert Carlyle uh, Robert Carlyle's cold home character actually being the person who is the cannibal and killed everybody you know, back back in the cave. So I do like that. Uh, there are some cartoony moments when it's revealed, when he, especially when he digs the hole. It looks like a like fast motion, like a dog, like a oh yeah, digging a hole. I, I <laughs> those parts always get me a lot. Where it's how does this stuff fit? Like, is this a weird fever dream that I'm uh-huh. experiencing as well? Um, but I, I love that scene, and of course I love when he is basically trying to wait out Guy Pierce, and Guy Pierce eventually succumbs to. You know, the myth of the Wendigo, that if you consume the flesh of somebody else, you get your strength and everything like that. And then, of course, coming towards where this, the twist actually happens, where Robert, Carlyle, Robert Carlyle's character comes back as uh, you know Colonel Ives. Like, oh, I'm Colonel Ives. I'm the guy. Nobody knows about Colonel Ives, but now I'm Colonel Ives. So things like that. And then 
Guy Pierce's acting I really like a lot during during those scenes where he's going through a lot of shit. This guy, I mean, he's he's got a lot of like like I mentioned before the PTSD problems and everything else. Um, but I don't know. I guess like the the flip, it flips it a little bit, and I, I like I like the mayhem uh, as a whole right. in this film. Well, let's try to break down the sequence when we find out that Rob McCall's character is the head guy. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so basically, um, I think it was both uh, Guy Pierce and I forgot the other character's name. Oh, right. Who goes to the train? Yeah. Who goes to the cave yeah. with them? So uh, they're down in the cave. They're searching for any signs of survivors because apparently um, Robert Cow's character tells this whole uh, group that hey, I had to leave survivors because you know they were turning on people and eating people and yeah. I just had to get out of there. So they're going back over there to find survivors. Mm-hmm. And so uh, both Guy Pierce and I forget the other actor's name. Uh, Neil, um, Neil, Neil McDonough. They both go down into the yep, cave. And Neil McDonough, yeah. they go into the cave to find survivors and uh, suddenly, and I, oh gosh, who discovers the fact that it's the other, the um, Robert Tyler character? Who's oh, well, that? Private Riker, Neil McDonough, he's counting, he's asking um, um, Guy Piercing, hey, how many survivors were there? And they're counting the survivors, and, this, and the numbers don't really add up mm-hmm. in terms of how many survivors there were. Yep. So it, basically, he created a, a fabricated story about. There weren't this many people. He was the person who was actually the cannibal who cannibalized everybody in the cave. And then they're like, oh, we, we got to go kill this guy. This guy's obviously the murderer at this point. So Yeah. So here's the thing, too, that kind of confuses me about this scene here. Mm-hmm. So once he does figure this out, then uh, we see um, uh, uh, not uh, – gosh, I'm horrible at names here. Robert Kyle's character, uh, Colonel Ives or whatever um, – he starts going nuts. So you got Jeremy yeah. Davis holding a gun on him. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's got guns around them. It's like a Mexican. It's like a weird Mexican stand-up. You got the, you got you got George with the bow and arrow at the cave. Yeah. You got Jeremy Davies with a gun on on Colhoun or Colonel Ives. You got you know uh, Jeffrey Jones, his character Colonel Hart, like screaming for them. Is it, a lot of stuff is kind of weird in that scene. It's shot in a very odd way. Because I mean, once he starts going nuts and crazy. Uh, the Robert Tyler character, I'm surprised, you know, they start putting their guns on him. Now, I get the fact that Jeremy Davis' uh, character is of uh, Private Toffler is, is kind of like a scared person, very much uh, religious-zenic, and you yeah. wouldn't really know the right way to fire a gun at all. The whole but... group is pretty, like, lackluster as, as a whole. It's a, it's a very... Yeah. Yeah, it's a misfit. It's a misfit crew of these cast off and weirdos and things like that too. But I just kind of feel like you're not even trying, or even just kind of like questioning what's going on here. I mean, they just have this look of utter fear and torment, and yeah. Uh, and I get that you would have some sort of fear and torment going on, but at the same time, it's like if you see someone going nuts or crazy. Knock him out. Do something. Do I mean. do something. Yeah, do something to react to this person who, and then he gets you know everybody gets killed. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. you think so at least. Practically, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he, yeah um, and we definitely got into uh, some of that happens too because uh, when they talk about bringing the strength of other people, um, they really mean 
to the strength of other people. So we find out that Robert Tal's character was the cannibal and he killed everyone and uh, he basically kills off everyone and the whole group, it seems like. Uh, he's chasing after uh, Ty Pierce's character. Um, and it, does he just stay hidden for a long time in that brush right there until he yeah. goes away? Yeah, Guy Pierce. I mean, he, he basically because he's he's scared. Once again, this go, goes back to the beginning. Of, yeah, coward in a lot of ways. Where he's his cowardice takes over. Where he doesn't want to get out of this tree because he's scared that he'll be eaten by you know, or at least murdered by you know, a Colhoun at that point. And then is he gets enough courage, I guess, if, if you want to say that too. You know, he remembering the story of the Wendigo, and he's like, oh yeah, I got to kill or I got to eat the flesh of Private Reich and. Sure enough, he eats. You know, it's implied that he eats, you know, his flesh and gets out of the tree and Do, walks all the way back okay. to the fort. Right. Yeah. See, I, I must have missed that part there because I'm like, he's wait till dark until he just went back, and I just, I never got the fact that he ate. I do understand that uh, in the flashback sequences, how he got out of you know the Mexican War is that he did swallow the blood. He did swallow some of the blood, yes. So and that and that gave him strength to come by and you know uh, attack. Some of the army generals. Yeah, yeah kill the one guy, army. pull the gun, and take the fort over. So there's, there's there's always been the implication that he's a coward, but somehow the life force, you know, this is where it kind of goes into like the supernatural elements of this film and stuff like that, where, okay. uh, you know, you drink the blood, you eat the flesh, you do something, oh, I'm strong again now, you know, that type of thing. So, but he's also just nauseated by meat, <laughs> you know, because yeah. in the beginning when he's sitting at the big steak dinner and he just ends up puking everywhere because he doesn't want to eat this. Uh, cow flesh uh, or something like that and yep. he just pukes everywhere and then you get that smash cut of like ravenous you know this goes back <laughs> to the beginning of the film too one of the weird so, fun, you know, funkier things in this film <laughs> you know when I when I saw the beginning of the movie when he doesn't want to eat the cow flesh I thought this would take the place after what happened previously I thought this was like doing like a flashback like he's now yeah. in the present never done a flashback to his time you know, dealing with this cannibal and everything, and that explains why he doesn't want to eat meat anymore. So mm. I found the editing choices of this to be kind of awkward. Um, now, one of my favorite moments is also one of my least favorite moments in a way, mm. just because I think that they could have made that moment a little bit better. And it's a sequence when uh, Robert Howe's character comes back, and he's his army general, and uh, everyone is praising this guy, uh, but Guy Pierce is telling them that, no, this is the guy. He's the guy that killed everyone. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, no, he can't be this guy. And he's like, no, he is. I shot him. And they're like, well, if you shot him, there should be like a, a bruise or a scar. A mark, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on his shoulder. You know, he moves the shoulder blade. It shows that everything's clean. So yeah. obviously Guy Pierce's story doesn't really hold up there. Um, I guess I want to see a little bit more added to it, not so much the reveal of the shoulder. Um, I just wanted to see um, that character that he plays, uh, Colonel Ives, um, uh, Robert Kyle's Robert character, I want him to be seen as like this very uh, legitimate cook, and this guy who's uh, beloved by everybody, and he loves all the cooking he does. He, there's something different about his cooking. His cooking is much different than every other's I mean, nobody mm-hmm. knows that it's meat. I just, yeah. I just want to see more of like people around like loving this guy's meat. Like, 
uh, in like something with Guy Pearce's character, like, why don't you enjoy this meat? This meat's in fantastic. It's got this great spicy feel to it. And <laughs> I went there like a cooking show or something like that. It was something like that too, where I, I or there, every time they they would mention like uh, an expertum, they're like, you know, I wish Johnson would be here to eat this. In the meantime, he's actually eating Johnson. Yeah, a little bit more of that kind of like dark humor, I guess, or something like that. Yeah, it 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 goes a little bit into that in into that, especially when you see the reveal of like you know Colonel Hart's actually not dead; he comes back, and then it, they talk about the whole thing of like, oh well, he was you know, this, Ives fed me and stuff, you know. So here's what I understand. So basically, uh, you know, there's a sequence when uh, Robert Cal's character is chasing Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to this, I guess, this cliff area. Yes. And uh, Guy Pierce shoots Robert Cowell's character, and he falls down dead, and then he gets back up like nothing's ever wrong. Um, here's what I just need to understand about this whole mystical approach here. Mm-hmm. If you eat any type of meat, human meat, that gets you in vulnerability, um, <sighs> Do you have to eat like a whole bunch of it to make that happen? I don't and know. And also, it seems like when uh, uh, I think it was Jeffrey Jones' character who got killed, um, I'm pretty sure I saw uh, Robert Kyle eating on him. So like, if you're eating your, if you get eaten yourself, mm. and you can still swallow some human flesh, does that stop the process of dying? I don't. I don't, I, I, I don't know the rules that they're operating. I don't know the cannibal rules they're operating <laughs> on in, in, in this specific film because. After Guy Pierce jumps off the cliff and ends up in, in the in the tree with with Reich when he's up after Reich gets killed and everything, yeah. you see Robert Carlo go back to the cave and pulling somebody into the cave because you you see that obviously uh, Colonel Ives or Carlisle's character uh, he he does eat part of Jeremy Davies after he kills him you see like you know his chest is open so it seems like he ate part of him and then he's dragging somebody else into the cave. You're not really sure who that is. It's like it's just a body at the time. You're like, oh, he's dragging somebody into the uh, into the cave with him, which I would assume is probably Jeffrey Jones, who he heals back to health by feeding him. I think he he says like, oh yeah, I fed him Toffler or something like that. And, and during the course of the conversation later on in the uh, in the in the film near the near the climax and everything. So, um, I, but I don't really know. I mean, I guess if you just eat a human being, you get their powers. But this is like raw flesh too. I mean, to get the powers, I guess you have to eat it raw. But well, don't you worry about a table like salamander poison with raw flesh, even human flesh. I mean, there's got to be some sort of bacteria. I, I mean, you would with think. Us. <laughs> but the, I guess in the 1840s, you're not so worried about like, hmm, well, what, what's if I eat this, I have to cook it. But he does cook it in the stew later on in the film after he stabs Guy Pearson's like, well, here's your choice. You can either join me. Or you can die. And by joining me, you have to eat my food. You have to eat the because uh, he uh, kills what uh, Colonel Knox, or he he kills the other guy. And he's like, oh well, this guy was a tough guy. Cause they make those little comments where it's yeah. like, oh, like yo, Major Knox was a tough guy. No, this is stewed of Major Knox or something. So yeah. Uh, but I also do like, you know, he succumbs to it. Um, but then there's like the whole plan he has in, in mind where he's like, oh well, we're gonna open up the fort. And the fort's just going to be a giant buffet for us. So it turns into like this really cartoony, diabolical plan come the very like Dr. Evil plan. Almost. At the end, like, oh, well, the buffet is open for, you know, for business, I guess, right now. So, yeah. Oh, uh, 
for me, I think I probably would enjoy this movie more if they just had the Guy Pierce character going right to this fort mm-hmm. to protect it. And through flashbacks, you start to realize that he was um, part of this other Mexican war and uh, do something to that effect. Uh, I don't think it just started with him at the dinner table eating the eating, eating, eating the steak and everything like that. Eating the steak and throwing up right there. So that just I mean, that flashes back to another movie with the whole Mexican War. I think it just should just started with him going to the fort. He's got these orders to go to this fort to protect it. Um, you know that he's and then maybe during the first night there before Robert Cow's character shows up, they're eating meat and then. He feels ill from eating meat, and we go back, flashback to his time at the war. And like, so, like, kind of prolong that whole storyline a little bit, as opposed to putting it up front. It's yeah, like, because you realize he doesn't like eating meat at all, and maybe he's become like a vegetarian because of his time at the war and having to actually eat human blood. <laughs> and so, when he actually is forced to eat human meat, it has this other layer to it because he does like animal meat. Now he's been forced to eat human meat, but he has to do it in order to survive and live. So yeah, I mean, I guess either 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 story beat could 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 go could go okay, but you know, I don't. Know, I think they didn't want to maybe do too many. I mean, they got like all the flashback kind of out of the way in the beginning of the film, where it's like. I think the way the story kind of progresses in like that wave is even even with like the whole like you know anecdote that Colhoun gives about like oh I was in the cave and you know we had to eat the horses and we had to eat this and then we had to eat our shoes and then this guy died so we ate him and then Colonel Colonel Ives it was mean and said like ah that type of stuff so I think if you had a bunch of like stuff in the middle it would have maybe slowed down the story flow yeah, a little bit. So, I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, that's I'm happy with the way they got it done out of the way in the beginning. And, and I gotta say, too, this movie is kind of like, like a really short 90 minutes. Yeah, it's very, it's a very crisp film. Like, it, it goes by really quick, and there yeah. aren't a lot of dead dead points in, uh, in the film. So, I was watching it, I was never bored watching it, but I just think just some things were just like a little bizarre, especially that musical <laughs> score. It's funny and everything, but just I was like, wait, am I hearing the right thing? Yeah. <laughs> so to most other people who watch this for the first time, and, and me, like I haven't seen this movie in ages, so this really felt just out of place. But yet at the same time, it's sort of like it works for it. I, I can't really imagine any type of score to go with it. It doesn't match, and yet it does match. And it's yeah. one of those weird things to listen to. It, it 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 it's the best part of. I mean, there's a lot of parts of this film I really really like a lot, but the score is what just it, it puts me in the film for some weird reason, which it shouldn't. It, it's I don't know, maybe it's something in my brain that it somehow works for the content of the film, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What I'm saying, but um, I don't know. It's like the, it's a driving force of, of of the of the film, the score, and the performances are all good. They're they're kind of over the top, but then they're still put into a little bit of like some real, like realistic in, in some ways. Um, but I don't know. Overall, I, I go back to this film probably once, once, at least once a year. I go back to this film, and I still like it. And I, I don't know. I have an affinity for this film. 
Yeah, even the way it's shot is kind of different, too, because the cinematographer of this, uh, Anthony B. Richmond, I mean, he shot Candyman, hmm. but he also shot uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool. There you go. He's got, he's got, he has a pretty well-rounded uh, catalog, so good for him. You know, it does, <laughs> Legally Blonde and Don't Look Now, so he shot like really a lot of like, well-known horror films like Don't Look Now and Candyman, but... Mm-hmm. Then he's got Legally Blonde on his resume and uh, his, B- B- Big Mama's House, too. There you go. Look at this guy. I mean, he's he's, he's a talent. This guy <laughs> is a talented guy. <laughs> oh, so if you had to give any uh, final stories or final thoughts to um, Ravenous, what would you give it? I mean, if I'm, are, we, are we going off of a, a great scale? Are we going off numbers? Or, Actually, what you know what? I'm going to let my guests choose. How, how many – like how many how – many, uh, I guess stakes oh, up. Are we, how many stakes up are we giving this? I guess at this point. <laughs> what guys? What they eat there? Uh, how, how many stews? How many stews? How many? How, okay. how many? How many uh, ladles of stew am I giving this uh, yeah. film uh, out of five? I'm giving this five ladles of stew. Um, I, I I love this film. I think it's a fun, dark horror comedy in a lot of ways. Um, if you dig down deeper into it. It probably deals. I mean, it, it deals with some interesting issues about, like, you know, being a soldier, have you know, have PTSD, things like that. It also incorporates supernatural element in it, which is goofy, but it works for me. Um, and it deals with a time in America that people just don't know a lot about. I mean, you're dealing with forts out in the middle of nowhere in the Sierra Nevada mountains. You're dealing with a war that nobody really teaches or talks about in school. I mean, nobody talks about the Mexican American War. Um, and it, it it's just a fun like it's kind of the civil war but kind of not um and it's fun it's silly and it's gory which i i love the, i love the effects i love the gore in this in this film too and it just tells a really interesting story about mythology and adds the cannibal element to it that's a lot of fun and everybody I don't know if everybody had a lot of fun shooting this film. Uh, it didn't seem like it if you read read up on just the making of this movie. But I mean, it's I, I would show this movie to anybody who's into horror or comedy or just something a little weird that they haven't seen. Not for everybody, but yeah. I definitely recommend it. All right, uh, I'm not as high as you. I think I just won around three and a half stars. Three and a half uh, ladles. No, three, three and a half, sorry, three and a half ladles. Of this too, uh, yeah, it, it definitely is a fun movie to watch, and I was never bored watching it. Uh, it, it just kind of felt like certain characters' motivations were kind of like n- different and strange. It's, just, it's definitely one of the. You don't those... really know anybody's motivation, to be honest. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's that's that that is true. Um, I did like the reveal how uh, the Robert Cowell character turns out to be this very established soldier when earlier he was foaming at the mouth and digging tunnels and everything and <laughs> being all ravenous. Now he comes back to this very like prim and proper gentleman and everything. Yeah. And um, But yeah, I, I did like this movie, just didn't fully love it. I know it's a movie that I will show to other friends of mine and they'll get more out of it. Than I did. Uh, you do make good points about yes, it can um, has elements of PTSD, uh, especially when it comes to Guy Pierce's character. Um, I guess I just wanted a little bit 
more, and as I mentioned before, I wanted to see more of like uh, Robert Kyle's cannibalism become a success in this no. town, and suddenly you have him like to win. you wanted the bad guy to win. I I kind of did like having him like have big cook offs and everything. And he become like this really <laughs> famous chef and uh, him being regarded and people making cookbooks about his stuff. But people try to recapture his work, but like. I can never get the meat to taste just the way he did it. I, I tried everything. It just never works out the way it is. And Or maybe cannibalism becomes like this huge thing and now everybody is doing it. There's like big cannibal-themed restaurants and cannibal <laughs> like fast food restaurants all have to do um, with uh, Colonel Ives. Restaurants, like Kentucky Fried People. You know, Kentucky, or, fr- Kentucky Fried Folks. Kentucky Fried Folks. There you go. <laughs> That's brilliant right there. So yeah, uh, lot, if someone wanted to do like a remake of this movie, um, I don't think I would be offended or upset if they made those changes that I suggested. If they did right. that, then that would be just fine. I'd be fine with the, a remake of this. All right. Don't never say never. That's true. Um, so before we get into our next feature, uh, I do want to stop and play just some quick ads from some other great uh, podcast shows for you to listen to. So we'll be back after these messages. We'll return after these messages. Have time for another podcast and enjoy listening to two idiots discussing films? Then look no further. We are Movie Drone Podcast, two mates sitting down to discuss new releases, nostalgic films and anything and everything in between. He's Steve. And he's Mark. Together we answer listener questions and set each other homework, giving each other a film to watch that the other hasn't seen, in the hope of unearthing hidden gems. You can download us on iTunes, Podbean, as well as Google search us to find us on loads of different platforms. Or email moviedronepodcast at hotmail.com. I think that's all. No chance, mate. Huh? You've forgotten everyone's favourite feature. Mark's movie impressions. Oh, I hope you've forgotten it too, to be honest. No chance of that, mate. You think you should do one? I hate you. Come on, mate. Show them what you got. Hey, my boy. Hey, my boy. Yo, Adrian! <laughs> and if that hasn't put you off, give us a try. There's a small chance you won't regret it. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano da Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners. So if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love, movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, let's no, talk stop, about stop, this minutia Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I wonder shut who up. the cat can God watch. damn it, shut up. I think that's
All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Cinema Recall Podcast. I'm still, uh, uh, what do you call here, uh, touring on, plunging on through these movies. Uh, big thank you to Matthew Stewart from the Simplistic Reviews Podcast, one of the best podcasts ever on the Intersphere. And Ooh, if man. you're not listening to the Simplistic Reviews Podcast, I question your taste in podcast listening because they are like the creme de la crop of podcasts on the Intersphere. And we, and we did not pay you at all to say that. There's no, there's nothing going on here. There's you, nothing. There's no funny business. You, you, don't worry. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna uh, stroke the simplistic reviews, shank a little bit, Ooh. and just, uh, just you know, just uh, get my hands all up in there and just really just tugging away at the away. awesomeness. <laughs> Man, a lot, of, a lot of words that mean something right there. I'm sure, not sure what it means. But it means something. So <laughs> yeah, if if uh if you want to get your podcast tugged on or flicked or whatever lit and sucked on, then uh, email us at cinemarecall at gmail dot com and uh, give us your podcast. If you have uh, an ad spot like the MP3 ad spot, put it in the email. We'll play it on an episode. Uh, if you want to become a guest on that episode too, email me too, and I'll get you on an episode, and I will totally uh, stroke your Law and hard ego Oof. on the show. All right. Man, so. Oof. Man. Again, I, I, should have, I should have worn less clothes for this podcast because I'm like, I'm like drenched. I'm drenched into sweat right now. It's like, That's how serious this is right now. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so moving on. Uh, after if, that, if, uh, we could, if we could move on from, I know, right? from I, that. I don't know how we'd move on from that. Yeah. So we're we're going to try right now. Have your secret or ever, all right? Uh, get some ice water, you know. Uh, but the next movie that we are going to feature is 2016's Raw. From award-winning writer-director Julia DeCarno. Raw is an emotionally driven coming-of-age movie. A modern horror masterpiece. Beautifully realized and disturbingly erotic. So, Raw is about this uh, young French student who goes to this veterinary school, um, and while there, her sister gets her involved with this hazing ritual where she has to eat uh, a rabbit kidney. Um, now, this young girl, whose name is Justine, uh, she has been living as a vegetarian for years. There's an earlier sequence when her mom freaks out that she finds a piece of meat and the girls mashed potatoes mm -hmm. before they drop her off at school. So uh, while there, after she has a hazing ritual, she eats this uh, rabbit kidney, she starts to develop a taste for not just meat, but also for human flesh as well, and uh, that's where I'm going to kind of leave things for right now. We're definitely going to get into some spoilers later on. So as always, if you have never seen Raw, uh, do highly recommend watching it. Uh, where did you see this movie? At? Uh, um, this was actually the first time. I mean, just just 
I would say about hour and forty hour and forty five minutes before we jumped into this podcast. It's the first oh, wow. time for me watching this from beginning to end. I wanted to have it fresh in my mind because I knew I, I know the um, the uh, notoriety this film has. Plus, it's also part of like you know the new wave French extreme cinema and everything too. So you know you're going to see some fucked up shit when it comes to one being a French horror film and two it being part of like the whole you know extreme wave of, of, of French cinema. Is it is it a horror film? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could you could call it a horror film. I mean, how do you classify a horror film in a lot of ways? Is, is it is it being a slasher film? Is it being a supernatural film? Like, what is what is horror in in, in a lot of ways? I mean, I would almost call this a body horror film in, in a lot yeah. of ways. Not as much as like a Cronenberg body horror film, but I mean, this movie does have a lot of things to do with body changing, adolescence. You know things like that, and just it turns into a like a horrific horror. It turns into a horror show because there are some horrific images uh, in this film. But this is my first time watching it from beginning to end. I've seen like the last scene of the film, and I was always like, "Oh, that's weird. How, how, where where did that come from?" So, um, oh yeah. It, so I've seen. I remember vividly the beginning of the film. Remember vividly the end of the film, the last scene of the film. But everything in the middle, I've never seen. So, um, oh, okay. This uh, this film is a um, <laughs> it's 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 definitely it, something. <laughs> it's 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 kind of like a weird coming of age story. It's definitely uh, that because yeah. it's about you know this this young girl Justine. You know she's kind of been living under her parents' care mm-hmm. for a while, and she finally is coming out to college. So that means there's going to be a lot more. Uh, things going on as college. Uh, let me just say this. Just... this: this college is fucking crazy. Oh, I, I, you know, I've been to a lot of college yeah. parties. This is a different level. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it, the very first night uh, when they first go into the dorm hall, uh, the upperclassmen run into the dorm room and start just pushing all their beds and all their stuff off the window, mm-hmm. and then they force them to stand in this line. And they just have to walk this long way. Then they made them get on their hands and knees and crawl all the way to this big, giant party that's going on yeah. in this other building, which I which was kind of cool. Uh, and that's where uh, Justine um, meets her sister, and she shows her, her that her folks once went there, too, and... You see the picture of them getting kind of. You don't I don't know what the picture is of. That you just hear Justine saying, "Well, gosh, you got you can barely see their faces." Yeah. In this, and you have no idea what that really means <laughs> until you see the sequence when they're standing for a group photo with Justine and the other younger class uh, freshmen or whatever. Yeah. They're standing for a picture, and then a huge tidal wave of blood gets splashed on them, and. I'm let's assume that's animal blood. I would assume it was the horse's blood that we see prior to this scene as well. Oh, so okay. The that's that's what I'm the... assuming. You don't you don't really see that because there's you know there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Like there's a lot of like dream sequency type things going on. But if I was left to assume that was the horse that they drugged with the with the ketamine and oh, slaughtered that... and threw the blood on, that would be my oh, guess. Oh, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. That makes that does. Wow. Jeez. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
Yeah, a lot of like other dreams, she stuff too, when she's pulling hair out of her mouth. See, and the thing, uh, and that's the thing with this film where you don't really know. I don't know. Like, was, was that her hair? I would assume, but later you don't really know. There's a lot of things that you have to kind of have to fill the gaps in on this film. Where yeah. is that her hair? Or, I mean, I'll, I'll let you kind of explain more. But I mean, I have my thoughts on some of these things. So. I think maybe she's just trying to shed her old ways, I guess. I don't know. I'm just I'm totally guessing on this one. She's yeah. puking out her old persona and getting more into a new persona. Uh, so here's the thing that was kind of confusing for me and it may be confusing for other people, uh, especially people who have seen this movie or those that have not seen this movie, is that after she takes a bite of the rabbit kidney – uh, she starts to develop these rashes yeah. on her skin. These very weird, like, rashes, and she's getting, like, these ointments to uh, clear it up and starts peeling it. Uh, she's hanging out with her roommate, and her she's suddenly, after eating, like, I think it was, they're outside uh, some sort of convenience store, and she's yeah. eating meat. Eating shawarma. He, she's eating, like, kebabs, yeah. Kebabs, okay. So uh, then she moves from being cooked meat to eating, like, I think it was, like, raw chicken or raw salmon. Yeah, out like, of, right, uh, yeah, out of the refrigerator. She's eating, it's like, raw, yeah, like, raw chicken, yeah. Raw chicken right there. But she's also kind of, like, ashamed of eating chicken because the roommate comes by and says, what are you doing? She's yeah. like, I'm trying to find cereal yeah. in the fridge while mm-hmm. I was looking for milk. Yeah. And <laughs> she's, like, just kind of, like, hiding this meat, like, this love of meat. Yeah. Um, and then... It goes from that to a sequence that I'm going to talk about first, <laughs> and this might be your sequence too, but there's a sequence when um, her sister, uh, once, uh, Justine's sister, wants to give her uh, a wax, a uh, yeah. wax. Yeah. Uh, Alexia's the sister, yeah. uh, played by El Rumpf. Uh, Justine um, is uh, played by Car uh, Ansi Mariller. Uh, so sounds about right. You're good. <laughs> ba- basically, put it this way. Uh, so Justine is getting her privates waxed, and uh, one of the other strips or whatever the wax gets stuck, mm-hmm. and she can't seem to pull off the hair. Yeah. So she grabs a pair of scissors to try to like cut the wax off. Justine gets nervous and she kicks um, Alexis in the head, and for some reason. Uh, Alexis cuts her finger off. Yeah, I guess the way that it was positioned, whether it, uh, I don't know. Needless to say, her finger is cut yeah. off. Her, her, her finger gets cut off. And then, uh, after she sees her blood, Alexis passed out. Yeah. So Justine calls up the hospital to tell her to put it on ice. So she's like, okay, I'll put it on ice. Uh, but then she's just looking at the finger. <laughs> and then she starts smelling a little bit. I'm like, all right, I know where this is going to go. Uh, and then she starts to like eat it, yep. and I'm like, that's kind of like a weird transaction from going eating uh, uncooked chicken meat to eating the human finger. But my favorite moment is when like uh, the sister actually wakes up and sees her uh, sees Justine mm-hmm. eating the finger, and she's just looking at her face, going, "Really, my finger?" But also she knows what her sister is becoming mm-hmm. because Alexis has the same 
feelings too. And there's actually other sequences where Alexis tries to teach Justine um, how to eat human flesh. So uh, I know that was like one sequence in the trailer where her like having the scissors down there that made like a lot of people kind of like squirm. And yeah. when I saw this in theaters, that was definitely a sequence they had. My theater jumped when they watched it. Uh, but I just kind of like how this, the tone of it turns from being a very horrific kind of gory horror moment to a scene of like comedy, especially with the sister waking up and her having that look on her face. Like this sort of inconvenient. That was my finger. Yeah, thank you. Really, I could have used that or something like that. I, yeah. you didn't have to eat my finger. You could have you could have eaten anything else in the entire world, but you had to eat my finger at the, at that yep. moment. So, but then but then it leads to basically her dog getting put down by her family because yeah. they blame it on the dog. Classic. Classic is all the dog ate it. You know, the dog ate my yep. homework or something like that. It turns into a little bit, which is hilarious in, in some really dark way. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I just had to mention that sequence. Uh, also, my other favorite sequence too is that when the sisters begin fighting, uh, because apparently now in the movie uh, there is a scene where Justine is being filmed. Uh, one to eat human flesh, like they take her down to this uh, to the morgue. Yeah, the morgue. Now I thought this was a veterinarian school. Why? Why is there a human well, morgue there? They, when they in the beginning of the film, when the parents are dropping Justine off, they explain to her like, "Oh, here's the campus. Here's the hospital. Here's the morgue." So like, oh, the, okay, the morgue is next. So it, it is like working hospital, but that's also where yeah. they take uh, Alexis and they patch her up and everything. So everything resides on this campus basically on this campus and okay, everything you know, everything also happens within a week because this is all yeah. like the rush week hazing week and stuff like that too so just using it for time time purposes you know okay i, I think i might have missed that element too where the actual morgue was and i didn't understand if it was in the campus okay but anyways there was a sequence too where they're videotaping justine uh just trying to like this she's totally possessed and crazy and but she's like Adam, she's to... just drunk she's like fucking beyond drunk, drunk. At this point. Oh, yeah so this is a drunk thing when she gets really drunk she's like i'm gonna fucking just eat human i guess when, yeah when i'm drunk i guess get a hankering for humans like you know people get taco bell when they're really drunk i yeah she eats human flesh when human flesh really okay drunk. yeah basically <laughs> that that is a maddest drunk right there um <laughs> yeah I, I i there's like other moments too like when she's uh dancing in the mirror, in the mirror yeah. mm-hmm. to that one really odd rap song. Really crazy French uh, rap song by, like, Demons in 69 and every, everything else. I'm like, what the fuck is this song? The band of that is called Ortiz. Oh. O-R-T-I-E-S. And they are a French female dual rap group. They are, like, a uh, gothic gangster rap group. Okay. It was like, it was, it was very horrorcore almost. It, it was, yeah. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> French that's horrorcore. <laughs> That's what it is. It's all their all their songs are basically about uh, you know horror, gory stuff, but and kind of like this rap yeah <laughs> vibe to it. It's actually pretty funny, pretty good in there. Yeah, uh, but uh, I'm ignoring you, Matthew. Uh, any moments here that really stood out for you as well? I mean, I, we're 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 kind of agreeing on a lot of things with this film. I mean, I guess the thing that it it's something that's very brief. In, in the film, there's two scenes in, in particular with the because uh, obviously she gets that that really bad rash when she gets to school. We don't really know what the cause of that. Is it because she like put the rabbit, you know, uh, the rabbit kidney in her mouth and threw it out, threw it up, 
or was it the horse blood or so-called? I'm, I'm saying yeah. it's, I'm, I'm calling it horse blood. I don't know what I, horse blood does to the human body or things like that. But if that's that, I never want horse blood on my body to get a horrible rash like that. Uh, but then when she goes to visit the nurse, the nurse gives her that uh, that balm or that uh, solve basically to help cure her. But then you see it later on in Alexis's room when she opens up her uh, medicine cabinet. You see the same balm in her, you know. So I don't. Is this like the cannibal? Is this like the cannibal balm or something like that? Because <laughs> that's the only thing that is it. Does it only work on vegetarians? Because remember, her, her whole family are they're vegetarians, and assumedly Alexis was a vegetarian before she left um, uh, to go to vet school as well too. So, but they're the only two people on campus that seem to have a, a hankering for human flesh. Everybody else seems to be pretty. Okay, but is that because they've been eating meat their entire life? So there's a lot to be said about, like, is this like anti Is this like an anti-vegetarian film or a pro-meat film or pro-animal film or anti-like anti-human film? It's it's kind of hard to decide um, what the, what that's supposed to mean in a lot of ways too. So, well, you know, according to uh, the director Julia DeCromo, and I apologize immensely. Uh, I apologize immensely for messing up the pronunciation of her name. Uh, through interviews, she stated that she wanted to make a movie about cannibalism, but not have it be about the weird, freaky underground creatures with like have their teeth missing. Yeah, and whatnot. She wanted to create a movie about cannibals, but have them seem real, like they come from a real family. And mm. Justine's family. Is a family of cannibals. They are at the end of the day. Especially, you know, the mom. Mm -hmm. Um, The mom is definitely a cannibal. And uh, we found out near the end that her father doesn't so much mind the snacking and chewing because, you know, he he loves her. And that's maybe one of his fetishes. And that's why he still has to wear. I never understood why, too, he has wearing, like, all those scarves. Yeah, he's just he, yeah, he's covering his entire body because his body is a roadmap of just cannibalism, basically. So. Yeah, <laughs> no. uh, but also it's it seems like the mother, and I'd be kind of fascinated to see a prequel with the mother because the mother is doesn't want her child have any type of meat at all. Yeah, because she knows the downward path mm-hmm. it will have on her. Uh, it's kind of like I don't want you to I don't want you to experience my mistakes ever again. Yeah. And so I want to like trying to forbid you. So what Julie was saying that um, it's not good to suppress things, yeah. even dark things. It's good to like uh, deal with it, and I guess understand and live through it. Like the dark things are something that you should uh, maybe try to embrace a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so trying because the more you um, suppress, push those things yeah, in, the more suppress suppression, them, yeah the more that it will have a much more damaging effect on you in later years. So I think for Justine, um, when she does go through with this, um, and she does end up going back home, because uh, uh, I'm going to do some spoilers here too. We can, we, can, we can spoil at this point, I feel. I think so, we're at spoiler territory here. So at, at the end, um, she does end up having sets with her roommate who has been gay this whole time but they have sets and um, in the morning when she's waking up she has, sees that her the, the guy's leg has been chewed up yeah. 
and the guy's dead. And we see uh, Justine's sister um, lying there. Playing video games. <laughs> like, no, no. Well, not playing video games, but she's she's kind of lying there, like, all dazed yeah. from having just eat his flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, so she obviously uh, goes to jail mm. for uh, killing the boyfriend. But, you know, it might have been the Justine character, not just Alexis, who had some feeding going on because when yeah. they first have sets uh i think she's chewing on his arm well she she chewed on her on her arm oh, it was on her yeah, arm, it was yeah. like when they when they the first time she's having sex with adrian adrian's yeah. the, the male character yep, um, yep. they're having sex and he's like hey hold on a minute like no, chill the fuck out but then she just like bites into her arm and he's kind of like oh yep. this is like weird but he's also oddly accepting of it in in some ways and that's what's kind of interesting about a lot, like I guess their dynamic and the school. I mean, at the end of the day, this school is like fucked up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> school, yeah, well, yeah. School is like totally insane, and there's a lot of things going on in this school that I guess it's France, so they're a little bit more wild out there in France than we oh, are here in America. It, so, <laughs> especially there's like a sequel. So I'm 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 going back and forth between different sequences, and if you've never seen this movie before, it's gonna make even less sense. Yeah. But there's a sequence when Justine goes to this party room and they throw blue paint on her. Yeah. And they grab another guy who has yellow paint and they go them into the room for like five minutes in the closet, tell them to make green together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they start like making out and then she bites his lower lip off and she, she runs off. And I'm like, well, what, what kind of, what kind of school has parties where they throw paint on each other? And how can you kiss someone with paint on their mouth? I mean, they, they seem. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they were tra- I mean, they were want- trying to do it, but then uh, it turned into uh, into red anyway, so it was fine. So <laughs> yeah, like, but but like, how I mean? Uh, I just don't understand the logic of how to kiss somebody with like paint on their mouth too. I'm like, I'd be worried I'd be swallowing that stuff and getting food poisoning. I mean, I guess, I guess it was food safe paint, if anything. So it's must fine, been so. yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that not cannibal those, safe, but food safe at least. So, but. The, I mean, you got, I know those food dyes, but you got like a whole bunch of them to cover your whole body in that stuff. I mean, that's that's a, that's an expensive fetish to do. I cannot do that. I mean, I don't know. I'm not keen. I'm not keen shaming. Maybe, maybe maybe you're maybe you're repressed, Vern. Maybe I mean, there's I mean, a maybe, film that you should be looking to that uh, unrepress yourself a little bit. I, I I should be I should be not be afraid of like paint shame. Like listen, I'm not trying to keen shame everybody. Yeah. One, if it, <laughs> Seems like I am. I apologize immensely. That was not at all my intention with my discussion of the sequence, but it just was a little bit out there. It's just not uh, for Vern, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Not, not all kinks are for the Vern, all right? Vern's into many other kinks, but just not, not, not paint kink. That one. <laughs> not, not paint <laughs> um, So near the end of the sequences, we see that uh, Alexis is now in jail for uh, the murder of the roommate, uh, uh, Adrian? Yeah, Adrian, yeah. Adrian, okay. And now Justine is uh, back at home, and we reveal the truth about her family and that uh, her mother has been a cannibal, chewing on her dad this longest time. So we're revealed that this, um, this, this, uh, sort of like this feed and this lust inside Justine was going to be there for a long time. But I have a feeling, too, that after her whole experience in college with her sister and everything that just has happened, um, I don't think she's going to become the hardcore cannibal as everyone 
else's. Mm. Uh, it's kind of one of those things like with alcohol. It's just like, yeah, I had some fun with alcohol, but you know, it's not really for me. Uh, I'm not going to discourage it. So if my kids get into it, that's fine. I'll help explain it to them, but it's not going to be something that I'm going to become <laughs> that involved with. Maybe. I don't know. It just seems to be like one of those movies where it's like you're coming of age. Like, look, yeah. I had some problems with drugs and alcohol before, and now I'm clear of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's just kind of my t- – I, I, this is kind of like a positive movie. Um, I do think that one of the things that stands out about this feature is the way it's shot. Yeah. And it's musical score. Yeah, it, yeah, it has a it was very like intense, like especially during the the finger eating scene. Like it's the first time you get this like really intense music going on. Where I can't ex- I can't explain. I like it, but it's it's also very like gothic sounding, like very driving score towards these uh, with these very intense scenes and everything. So, um, well, the composer's name is like uh, Jim Williams. Yeah, Jim Williams. Who also, yeah. who also shot. Uh, you know, I also did the score for a field in England. And um, uh, the oh, he did oh, uh, lots of series. Yeah, that's really it. He hasn't really done too much there, but it's got this nice organ in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it's mixed in with other uh, modern pop songs on the soundtrack. Really, yeah. just kind of flow well together very much. Um, but yeah, uh, I like this movie, but not really as much as a lot of people do. I know a lot of people in these movies give like a lot of high praise and mm-hmm. uh, I do know there is a nice uh, female famous angel so from a woman's perspective, you know, I would like to hear maybe a woman's take. Yeah, absolutely. This movie. Yes. Um, I do think it has, you know, really good characters. I like the characters of the sisters. I thought they seemed like they were related in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the sequence when the older sister is teaching the other sister, how to like pee, standing up. Yeah, pee standing up. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of these like uh, like, and, and I guess from from like a male perspective, I mean we're not even from, even from a male perspective, but from a film perspective, we're not used to females being portrayed on screen as you know regular people. There's always that mm-hmm. that that very like this is how a female is supposed to act on screen. That you follow the tropes, you do this, you do that. Whereas this is basically like. These are these are real girls who I'm sure you you probably talked to maybe your your wife or your girlfriend who went to college. I'm sure they were probably doing crazy shit too. So it's a very realistic, at least from my perception, a realistic feel of what it would be to be away from home, be away from your parents, be just surrounded by your peers and or your your sister who's maybe it's a little bit older than you or younger than you. So you know yeah. a lot of that stuff going on. You know. Coming of well, age, like me, we keep going back to, you know? Well, let me ask you this, too, because uh, Justine doesn't really start having sex until she starts eating meat. Like, she has no attraction to other men or women or whatnot. But when she starts eating meat, uh, I think it was after she started eating her sister's finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it was before, but it's definitely a sequence when she starts eating meat. She starts uh, seeing Adrian play basketball. Oh, yeah, you're playing, you're playing soccer in the uh, courtyard. Playing soccer, sorry, yeah. yeah. Playing soccer in the courtyard. Um, and she starts to lust after him, but I wasn't pretty sure if she was just lusting after him for having sex or to eat him. eating yeah. <laughs> food or, 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 or maybe both. I mean, you know, this girl likes to play with her food, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, don't we all? Oh. Um, oh. It, it's 
it's interesting the what starts happening to to Justine. I mean, yeah, she's her whole life. Oh, she's known as being a vegetarian and almost being she's been, she's repulsed by meat. She's repulsed by everything that has to do with meat. And she has that uh, other um, monologue earlier in the film talking about like, oh, do do pigs have rights or p- pigs have the same rights as we do or animals have the same rights as humans? Because a guy, one guy starts talking about monkeys and how AIDS started. And it was, there's some weird conversations and non and like weird non sequiturs that go on in this film too, especially in the beginning of it. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm, that's kind of like the, one of the hallmarks of this French cinema or, at least French extreme cinema where they don't, they're talking how people are probably really talking in real life. And as Americans, I'm sure we're a little like, how could you talk this way? But we're also sheltered and, you know, we're Americanized and we're scared of everything that has to do with sex and taboo things anyway. So, um, I don't know, but this movie has kind of a weird, like, I don't know if it's, I don't want to say supernatural, but there's like this, the thing I can't get, get off of, is how everything kind of comes to be where she goes from vegetarian to unrepressed girl wanting to just eat human flesh and have sex and do everything else. Like, I keep going back to the balm scene where the nurse gives her the balm to put on her rash. And the fact that her sister has the same thing, too. So I'm sure her sister had the same reaction she did when she first went to school. So um, there's a lot of unanswered things. Like, how much of this is really based on how... Like, you know, you become unrepressed once you're away from your parental units and becoming a, a woman or a, 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 like an adult woman or adult male, you know. So a lot of things to kind of go over. There's a lot of yeah stuff on, on, I, on the, this movie. And I kind of wish that the uh, on the DVD I got from the library that I had a commentary track from the director, Julia Tacoma, because I wanted to her, have her explain scenes or the overall – arc of the story to me a little bit more but she may be one of those filmmakers that says well it's up to you to interpret it for yourself yeah which is fine yeah that's fine and i gotta say this too this was her first movie that she ever directed hmm. I mean, she's done like a short film before this but this is like her first like feature length movie and i gotta say for a first timer yeah you definitely have like a style down like you kind of remind me of a lot like uh we mentioned cronenberg uh definitely puts like lynch and she definitely has like this style mm-hmm. absolutely to her work uh people were calling it like the neon demon type of element to it and i don't really see that much of that maybe just the way it's shot maybe or something or something there's some, like, some yeah. neon shots a little bit there uh but i think she kind of holds them with her own I know this movie is featured on a lot of uh, top 10 lists of the year in 2016 when it came out. I know it was featured on my list as well. Uh, do uh, heavily enjoy this feature, uh, but can totally understand why people would not. I'm, I'm going to rate like out of like uh, uh, out of like uh, jars of which we rate this under. Fing- I think I think it should be fingers. How many fingers? fingers. How many fingers are we giving this? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give this one for me out of like five. I'm gonna give this one. Uh, I'm gonna give it four. Four fingers, huh? Four fingers, yes. Okay. Uh, Just I... because I'm a visual person and I like the visuals, I like the score. Um, and maybe the storyline is kind of fragmented in parts, but it's still very good. Like good performances, good acting, good production design. The story kind of lacks a little bit, but I still try to give it a four. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm in, uh, I'm in your ball. I'd probably give it four, four fingers uh, okay. as well too. Um, I, I like the way it looked. I like the way it was directed. I like the way it was acted. I, there's a lot underneath the surface in this film. There's, you know, t- all the metaphors you can probably think of, and you know, you, you can go back to just being basically, well, it's a coming of age story about a girl realizing that he's been repressed her entire life and she's finally enjoying uh, you know, all, all that life has to offer, whether it's sex, uh, eating meats, uh, you know, getting your uh, getting your your, uh, your uh, bikini waxed, um, you know, eating your sister's finger or eating your lover's leg, you know, whatever it might be, you know? She might be this girl that's just been eating mashed potatoes her whole life and she's yeah. never eaten anything ever besides just mashed potatoes so a finger hurts like well I tried one piece of meat what's another piece of meat maybe the stuff tastes really good so she's really just trying to discover herself and what she likes best and if it turns out she does like meat like well she's going to embrace that and accept it and who knows I mean she's trying to just grow in into you know a very independent woman so the story is basically about independence have independence and being yourself and not really giving a fuck what other people think about you because there are a lot there, there are a lot of judgy people at this vet school they're like oh my god you are the worst you are like what what's wrong with this girl what's it's like everybody else is repressed and they're they're gonna have to go and find their own way to bust out of their normalcy and go into their own life you know because these seem to all be the kid. The kids that seem to have the biggest problem are the ones that are the new kids, like the freshmen. You know, yeah. all the elders, or what? What they, what they call themselves? It's either they're the elders or there's something else they like. They want to be called. So, oh uh, gosh, I forget. The I don't, whatever I, it might be, something like that. There's even all song that they have to sing to them too. They sing a lot of different songs, a lot of yeah. like weird <laughs> songs about animals and things like that too. There's, I mean, this school. Probably won't wouldn't be for me unless you're really into no. being hazed and going through the the rush scenario of a, of a most colleges and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, four fingers. The movie has a lot to offer. Um, not for everybody, of course. And you know, you, you, I'm giving it more four based on technical merits and the fact that we're having a 35, 45 minute conversation about a single film. So. I know, right? Oh, well, thank you very much for that enlightened conversation, Matthew. I don't think we can say any more uh, about Raw or about Ravenous, but if you have any thoughts about any of these features, uh, you can tweet us at cinema underscore recall. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Cinema Recall Podcast. Um, give us suggestions about what other cult films we should talk about. Maybe mention some other films that we have talked about and shouldn't have talked about yet. Uh, but anyways, um, you can find that all through. We are on like Anchor and on Stitcher and on like uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're working on developing an actual website, um, but it's going to take some time. Probably won't be able to get to that till after the new year, uh, but we're going to have that hopefully established by then. Um, as for our next show, I'm not quite sure exactly what they'll be because it's becoming the holiday season. It's really hard to book guests during Christmas time, so we're going to expand our Christmas cult club into through January and February, it's called Classic Cult Club. 
Uh, we're going to do our third season uh, for now for a little while. Um, but my big thanks again to Matthew Stewart from the Simplistic Reviews podcast. And I'm going to uh, just go down a little bit on the Simplistic Reviews uh, podcast pussy and just start uh, kind of like laughing that up a little bit there and, you know, fingering that sucker. Because, Man, yeah. again, I mean... Again, <laughs> Sorry, gets, uh, I can't get enough of it. Oof, it I know. So you, good. You, can't, you, you can't help yourself. I feel like you're having a come of, coming of age right now. So you're having <laughs> your own, you're having your own raw story right now. <laughs> but I, I do love this podcast very much. Uh, uh, you got Matthew Stewart, uh, Justin Polizzi, uh DJ Valentine, uh, announcer Julia. Uh, yeah, just a wonderful, funny podcast where uh, they take on different topics they do like a tv roundup they play some fun games um just all in all like an incredibly fun show that i look forward to every month so matthew uh, hold on let me get my mouth off this uh let me grab your hair lift your lift yeah. your head off. there you go tell the listeners out there where where they can find uh, Simplistic Reviews. Yeah, if you just really want the one-stop shop of everything that uh, we offer uh, throughout podcasting, the website, social media, you can just visit simplisticreviews.net. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-T-I-C-R-E-V-I-E-W-N. I don't think I've ever spelt out Simplistic Reviews in a while. So you have that dot nets. You can check everything out under the sun. That is also where the new, uh, the new, new and improved website. We uh, move from one pl- platform to another, so we have a different, uh, different look, different feel. It's a little bit easier to uh, search for everything on the website as well, too. But you can also look for us on social media if you don't want to go to the website. We're on, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram mostly, we're on Facebook. So just search out on Facebook, uh, Simplistic Reviews, or if you're on Twitter, Simple Tweeters. Or on uh, Instagram, you have Simply Gramming. Um, and if you're interested in what any of my uh, other cohorts have to say on Twitter, it's trying to be DJV. That's DJ Valentine's handle. And then Justin Polizzi is also Cheese It Man. It's C H E Z I T M A N. Cheese It Man is his Twitter handle. Uh, we we tweet out every once in a while. We don't do as much tweeting because we're busy on the website and podcasting and doing everything else. But, uh, yeah, podcast is downloadable wherever you can find fine podcasts from iTunes to Stitcher to uh, Spotify and everywhere in between. So subscribe, like, and if you, don't, if you want more of a visual aid with the podcast, you can go over to YouTube, search out Simplistic Reviews on YouTube, and you can find some nice videos that we've been doing lately and, of course, all the podcasts and commentaries as well. So. Everywhere on the interwebs, you can find uh, we're like a virus. We're like the herpes of, uh, of of the internet. You know, we we go away, but then we flare right back up again, and then we go away again, and we flare back up because, as uh, you know, one movie taught me, herpes are forever, man. Oh, herpes are forever. That and glitter. That that too. Glitter is also. You can never get too. rid of it. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, big one, big uh, big shouts to um, one movie punch. Uh, movie Drone uh, Podcast, uh, Podcast HQ, uh, the Cult Fiction Podcast, uh, Ryan L. Terry, uh, all the right movies. Um, a few other people that have mentioned our show and have retweeted us, I uh, really appreciate that. Um, I'm going to basically post the next episode. I'll be plugging some other 
podcast as well um, and telling you where to find them. There's like a whole bunch right now. I can't just think of them. Uh, but anyways, folks, that's it for our episode of Cinema Recall. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have a great week. And I will see you later. Bye. Mon lit, les mecs et moi ça fait